0: taking a break today from our series of looking at the Old Testament prophecies as they pertain to Christ to um, instead focus in uh, on the subject of Thanksgiving and in particular um, thanksgiving for what Christ has done for us as uh, we've looked over the last uh, couple of weeks um, we started with uh, our day of lament you remember the day when we focused on and upon the the need that we as believers have, as Christians uh, have, to um, to bring our sorrow, our grief to the Lord. Um, a lot of times we, we, we're under the impression or under the mindset that only smiles are to be had in the house of God, um, when in fact scripture reflects to us over and over again this is the place that we bring our sorrow. This is the place we bring our grief. This is the place where we lean on each other and encourage each other and help each other. And then we've looked at the person of Jesus, who he came to be. The lion and the lamb and uh, the seed that is here for all humanity. The one who would crush the head of the snake, the serpent. But I didn't want to really head into the Christmas season in particular without stopping to reflect upon the cross, and I thought today would be especially uh, a good day to do it um, because of just just the history of the Lord's Supper. Today we call it the Lord's Supper or Communion uh, in certain circles. Um, but really, for the majority of Christian history, it's been called the Eucharist, and the Eucharist—that uh, that word comes from—that it comes from uh, the New Testament. It's a Greek word, and it means Thanksgiving. That this meal, throughout much of church history, was first and foremost a, an expression of thanks. Of appreciation for what God had done through Christ on the cross. It was really only after uh, the Reformation, a little bit of shifting that took place there, that that, that kind of emphasis moved to the side. Um, and we, we focused upon other elements. But I don't think those ideas, those concepts are mutually exclusive. I don't believe that they compete with each other, I don't believe that they're at odds with one another. But in fact, I think they fit in very well together. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is giving his, his final exhortations to the church there in Thessalonica. He says in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. That's a pretty strong statement. You know, a lot of times we we ask the question, what is God's will for my life? Where would God have me go? What would God have me do? How can I be a faithful follower of God? How can I reflect his role in my life and live uh, in accordance with his desires for who I am? And it's not very often that we get scripture that explicitly says, this is God's will for you. But here we have one of them. And what is God's will? That we give thanks in everything. That's hard. That's hard. There are a lot of things, there are a lot of times in this world that I don't feel very thankful. Experiences that I go through that are painful, Especially, you know, as a father, you know, uh, to see my kids go through something that's painful or hard or difficult. um, I don't want to be thankful in those times. I don't want to be thankful in those moments. I don't feel like, you know, saying, God, thank you for these blessings. Thank you for these curses. Thank you for these hurts. But that's exactly what Paul tells us we need to have. And you look in other places in in the New Testament, especially, and it talks about this: when we face hard times, when we face persecutions, when we face difficulties in life in general, be thankful. And, and as I reflect upon that reality, and that command, and that desire, and the expression here that Paul says that it's God's will for you, I think this service, this meal, if you will, it's one of those places where we can truly cultivate that mindset and that attitude. Because this is what? It is a it's a reflection it's a remembrance of what? That our Savior's body was broken. And his blood was spilled. He left the glories of heaven to come and dwell amongst us. And as we've reflected in the past, a lot of times we, we clean up the Christmas setting in our words, in our thoughts, even in our songs, away in a manger. Right? That's one of our favorite Christmas songs, right? Little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Is that biblical? This pristine picture, you know, the cattle, they're lowing. That's my best cow impression. Pretty good, huh? You know? Jesus is just constantly peaceful. I don't know. That doesn't fit with the reality of the fact that he's fully human. Yes, he's fully God, but he's also fully human. And how do babies tell us they need something? They cry. That's all they got. I, I don't think Jesus is laying there in the manger saying, Hey, dirty diaper over here he had to cry. But even that, even then, he's laying in what? A feed trough. Think about that. A, f- a feed trough. This is the king of the universe. The creator of all things. And we lay him in a place where we we feed animals. It wasn't a very clean, pristine experience. How could any experience in a fallen world ever be? And yet the king of glory is there. The God of this universe is there. And so it does change things. It transforms things. It it fixes things. I think the the cleaning up that we do is really an expression of the hope that Christ created in coming. That one day it will be like that. The wolf and the lamb laying down next to each other, Isaiah tells us. We'll beat our Swords into plowshares, which is a basic way of saying we won't have any need for any kind of military weaponry at all anymore. Ezekiel portrays that new situation as as living in a city with a name Yahweh Shema, which means Yahweh is there. God is there. He's in the midst of it. He's in the middle of it, and we're fellowshipping with him. But we can't get to that. We could never get to that except through the cross and what Christ came to do. His broken body, his spilled blood. So how do we develop thankfulness? How do we express it? We see number 1 that the value of what Christ accomplished. He did something no one else could ever do. We look at we look at our athletes nowadays, we look at at our artisans, our artists and so forth nowadays. Who do, who do things that no one else can do, and, and what? Those, those events, those moments, those creations are considered priceless. How much more is the salvation offered to humanity through what Christ did on the cross priceless? There should be a thankfulness in that as we reflect. And what he accomplished. There's also a thankfulness in sense of relationship. In in this act, in this moment, this meal, Christ created a, a covenant relationship between us and him, certainly, and that is key and foremost, but what with each other as well? I've reflected many times, and, and the reason I keep saying it is because I don't think it really sinks in for me and perhaps for you just how significant it is that this meal that we're participating in has been participated in by believers for 2,000 years. That when you participate in it, you are... Connecting in some ways with them. Buzz Aldrin even did it on the moon. This is a a special moment. This is a, a distinctive of Christianity. That we share a meal together. That we connect with each other and with our God through one of the most intimate acts that you can do with someone else. So we can be, we can cultivate our our thankfulness by seeing the worth. We can cultivate our thankfulness by seeing the relationships that it creates. We can cultivate our thankfulness through the habit of responsiveness. Paul in 1 Corinthians says, do this as often as you meet. And some interpret that to mean we should have the Lord's Supper every time we meet. We don't interpret it that way, but the idea, the concept is there nonetheless, that when we come together, we what? we reflect upon, we repeat the truth of what Christ has accomplished. We sing songs that proclaim His Christhood. We wonder at the fact that we are able to share in His reward, to become sons and daughters of God. This. Habit is more than just ritual. It's more than just repetition. It's a reminder and an aid in maintaining thankfulness. Keeping that goodness, that truth before us. In order for us to truly understand and appreciate that thankfulness, however, there is a responsibility that we have to be honest with God about our failings. About those times where we have diminished the greatness of the gift. Or those times when we've broken the relationship in some sense, damaged the relationship between us or our brothers and sisters. Or those times when we fell fallen into sinful habits instead of godly habits. We're called to, to lay those before God on a regular basis. John tells us in 1 John that if we confess our sins, Christ is faithful to forgive us. Paul encourages us in 1 Corinthians 11 to take this meal in, in a way that that's, that's worthy. And that doesn't just mean that we've dealt with our sin. That means that we're reflecting upon its purpose and its place and its position and its role in the unity of the church. But there is certainly a sense in which we need to take seriously our sin first. Can you truly be thankful for something, if you're not cognizant of recognizing the, the power of what's done in our own life to redeem us, to save us, to change us. And so, before we take part in the Lord's supper this morning, it's important for us to, to spend some time just in reflection before God, not just in sorrow over our sin, but in joy over our deliverance, in peace over the life that he's granted us, and excitement over where he might take us in the days ahead. And ask all of us here to to bow our heads and just spend some time reflecting right now on what God has has called you to what God has brought you through what has God showed you in recent days, about your relationship. And if he hasn't shown you something, that's most likely because you have disconnected in some way. Just spend some time right now reconnecting. And ask our worship team to come on up as we transition into this invitation time i want each of us to take what god has shown us what god has communicated to us in this time in this moment and to be responsive no act of thankfulness is complete until we have responded. The words thank you are instrumental or key because they help us to express what we're feeling inside. And this invitation is key because it helps us to express what we've been feeling inside. What has God showed us? What has God directed us to? What relationship is present in our life that needs to be repaired or restored? What encounter lay before us that God has laid on our heart that we have pushed to the side or ignored for too long? What decision or commitment has been weighing on our hearts and minds that we haven't been obedient to follow through with? So us stand. And as we sing, there's something the Lord's laid on your heart this morning. Here at the altar with me right where you're at. Get that straightened out.